Welcome back to Data Protection Gumbo for episode number 138. I'm your host, Demetrius Malbro, and today I speak with Robin Schaefer, Principal AR Consultant at Schaefer AR. And Robin has extensive experience running analyst relations programs from goal setting to execution. She has a vast B2B marketing background, which brings a strategic and focused approach to all activities. Her domain experience includes customer experience in CRM, data and analytics, ERP, and business applications. And she loves breaking into new spaces. Robin is also the author of Analyst on Analyst Relations, which examines the AR discipline from the analyst perspective. In this episode, we discuss how you can raise your thinking beyond analysts being just PR channels, what the most valuable aspects of analyst relations are, and how tech companies can effectively work with analysts. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo, Robin. How are you today? I am fantastic. I'm so glad to be here and so glad to... uh be with all your listeners. Absolutely. And we are, are here together to do something a little different from the, the, the normal gumbo way, but it is data protection gumbo, so I can throw anything into the pot that I want to throw in the pot, as long as it tastes good. So <laughs> uh, well, why, don't you, why don't you start off by introducing yourself and, and telling the audience a little bit about uh, what you do. Okay, sure. Uh, Robin Schaefer, as you know, and I work in this very little niche specialization called analyst relations. And that is something that you may have heard of, or people may have heard of. It is um, a usually under marketing and the B2B technology companies of all stripes mm-hmm. uh, use analysts uh, to help them drive their business. So I've been working in B2B technology for my whole career and started working in this area about 15 years ago. Okay, nice. So so you you have a lot of experience with having diverse conversations within, I guess, different uh, personas within the tech industry, uh, which, which is great. Uh, and that's the reason why I am bringing you on, uh, because I think there is a very powerful message that, that you have to share. And we typically uh, only hear... Uh, from an analyst when when specifically a company reaches out to tap you for like an in-depth story or some research and to get their own message out. But um, right now, I really want to get your input on, I guess, number one, why uh, do you think industry analysts are important to, let's say, every tech company out there? What's What's the importance around an analyst? Yeah, sure. So, as most people know, industry analysts are the likes of Gartner, Forrester, IDC. Those are the big three that we all talk about. But they're different from financial analysts in that these guys focus on technology. And every the why they're important is that every analyst knows a specific technology or domain. They study the trends. Um, they, they know the technologies. They talk to buyers, vendors, and partners in the space. And they become the experts and offer this expertise to the market in various ways. So like some analyst firms, like Forrester Gartner, 
they directly impact buying and investment decisions. So a company needs to be working with them to get those good things to happen. So buyers consult with these firms for advice on their technology strategy and their buying decisions. And investors use analysts to vet potential investments and acquisitions. So they're really, really impactful. And while uh, most firms of, you know, the, the, that are starting to scale up and at the uh, mid-sized level work with analysts and invest pretty heavily, I find that startups and small scale-up companies underutilize this channel and analysts are extremely interested in those that have new disruptive ideas, yet the startups under underutilize the opportunity to work with them. So I mentioned Gartner and Forrester, but there's over a thousand analyst firms in the world and 7,500 individual analysts. Um, some of them, actually most of them are more vendor facing where they give valuable insight and feedback to inform your product roadmaps, messaging strategy, go to market, et cetera. So um, they also help amplify brands through various like content marketing type programs and projects, like they might do custom research or write a paper or a case study or something. So there's many, many ways that analysts um, support technology companies. And many of, many of those companies, those vendors, see them as a channel for communications, but they're way more than that and way more valuable. Thank you for explaining that. And so can, can you maybe walk us through a, a scenario or, you know, why should, let's say, you know, small, you said startups typically may not want to reach out to, to an analyst uh, firm, but can you maybe explain to me why that's the case and also maybe walk us through a scenario where uh, someone would reach out to you and maybe give us an example? Sure. Okay, so I think what you're you're getting at is, uh, you know, why should you work with them? What can they do for you? Really, that's what we all care about, right? What can they do for me? Yes. So what I always do with my clients is start with the business goals. What are you trying to do with your business? For example, you might be trying to brand and get your message out there in the market. You might be doing category creation because the market doesn't really fit the way your your vision. You might have a major product launch or you know uh, something new that you want to get out in the market. You might want to expand into new geographies, verticals, etc. And then you know you might want to just grow your revenue overall and you want to you know get to those buyers and impact. So the thing that I work with the clients is start with the what you want to do with the business. Because if analyst relations and analyst outreach doesn't move a needle like that, it's not worth doing, right? So let's start with that. So then I look at the business goals and we try to prioritize them. Sometimes they're equally distributed. Sometimes there's one that's really strong. Um, you know, we've got we've to break into this new geography. Maybe, you know, we've got to establish this content category or something. So we try to look at what you're trying to do as a business, and then you can proactively engage analysts to help you. 
So the kinds of things they do is they can recommend and advocate for you with buyers and investors. And I have a story about when I was a buyer, I was on the other side of this and I was working for a pretty big vendor, a technology vendor, and I was doing customer references. And I had a couple of calls with an analyst who had expertise in that discipline. So they weren't like a technology analyst. They were more a, you know, they had a special specialization in reference programs. So I was able to talk to them and we talked strategically what, what I wanted to try to do and, you know, just, just how my strategy was and whether that matched um, the market or had any ideas for me. And then we talked about technologies that are available that could help me manage references in this case. And he told me, he said, have you ever heard of this company? And this particular company I never had. And it wasn't a company that had a brand that I knew. And he said, it's a really cool new company that has very interesting ideas that I think would meet what you're trying to do and recommended the company to me. And I ended up, I didn't know anything about it. I ended up looking them up. I ended up having conversations with them and I ended up buying from them. So this is the kind of thing that an analyst can do for an unknown company is introduce you to buyers. Okay. Got it. Got it. And just some, some of the type of personas that would reach out to you, is this more uh, from like the competitive and Intel side of the house or more from uh, the marketing team or the sales team? Like which, which persona would be more interested in reaching out to, to have an analyst um, maybe come on board and, and, and work on a project for them? Very interesting. I have worked with all of those titles in different ways. And that's what's so fascinating about analysts. You can't pigeonhole them about trying to help you. So sales for sure is a, an un, underutilized channel for proactively leveraging analyst relationships to help you open, advance, and close deals. So it's certainly um, sales. Marketing, um, most companies I'm in are struggling with their messaging, their differentiation, their positioning, their branding. Analysts know what the customers are looking for, know the buzzwords, know what the competitors are up to, know the white space, and can help you take your story, take your message and refine it and make it more impactful, for example. If you're in product and you're trying to work on a specific uh, product capabilities, again, they know what customers need in product, what competitors are doing, what the trends are, and they can look at your roadmap and they can help, um, help you refine it, redirect it, pivot, and go towards a white space that they see that you can get a huge advantage in. I always look at the breadth of a company and a company strategy, and then look at the what we're trying to do in those, you know, the objectives. And it's pretty wide how analysts can come in and help you. And I would say even large companies don't realize how much they can do for them. I've been at so many large companies that just see it like a PR channel, like public relations. I just have to inform them. I've got to show them shiny objects. I got to write them. I got to get them to write nice things about me. And it's way, it, it is that, but it's way more than that. If you're smart and you know how 
to, you know, the nuances of working with them and leveraging them. Okay. And maybe taking a step back and we, we are in the great resignation. I am using air quotes here. Uh, that, that seems to be the, the, one of the big topics, especially uh, in addition to some of the technical ones like ransomware. I'm sure you've heard of that before. What cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, you know, all of these are like huge topics and discussions and web three. I mean, the world has changed quite a bit. But the specific question that I want to ask you is how does one become an analyst? Like, how did you fall into this? Did this just like happen or you always knew you wanted to be an analyst or can you walk me through that story? Of course. So I'm not an analyst. So the analysts are the people, and this is very, very often confused. So I'm glad you asked it because analysts are the third, these third party folks that, you know, analysts. So I always, I always use the example of consumer reports, which in the America, in America is very well known. And I, I, I'm sure around the world, there are similar things. And now you have different platforms, but what, what consumer reports does in the U S is they look at refrigerators or they look at cars, or they look at anything, anything that a consumer might buy. And these are these, somebody is the analyst. Somebody compares all the cars or the refrigerators and rates them and writes reports on them that consumers use as a third party, you know, advice um, on what they should do and how they should think about getting a refrigerator and making these decisions. An analyst, an industry analyst is the same thing for business technology. They're a third party that buyers go to to help them make these buying decisions like I did making a reference program buying decision. And analyst relations, which is what I do, um, uh, mid-sized and large companies have people on staff whose job it is to work with these between the company and the analysts and really position the company well with the analysts and get them you know, recommending and advocating and also taking the analysts' input, their feedback, their recommendations, and driving it into the company to make sure that the company is using this, not that a company does everything an analyst says, but is considering and using all this input to help them be smarter and, and, and grow faster. So um, an analyst relations expert uh, in a mid-sized or large company is an employee that has that role. What happens is in smaller companies, startups and scale-ups, they don't need an expert on staff. They shouldn't have an expert on staff. It's not um, you know, a smart use of your resources. What they do is they outsource the challenge and the problem with someone like me, just like they might do PR, have a PR agency, right? So I do the same thing that an in-house person does in representing the company to analysts, but um, I'm doing it, you know, as a, as a, as a outsource resource. Now, how people get into this is so funny because if you ask a hundred analyst relations professionals, which is a niche, how they got into it, nobody went to school for it. Nobody said one day I want to be this. Everybody fell into it one way or another. They fell into this niche after 
Um, either either they were doing something else in the company and fell into this, or maybe they have a communications background, maybe they have a product background, who knows? It could be anything that has led them to this role of becoming an expert on the relationship with analysts. Okay. I am glad you cleared that up. And it, it reminds me of my own trajectory. I, I went to school for engineering, electrical engineering, <laughs> but yet it was, it was, it was very rigorous and uh, I was unable to kind of attain uh, a certain level of grades yes. in order to continue on that path and, <laughs> and mix with a lot of fun and not being focused, but I, I did graduate. And so I ended up changing to computer science and figuring my way through it all. And Finally, I I, uh, I got a, a job and, and an offer from IBM a few months before I graduated, oh, and they placed me on a team that was managing, it was a backup and recovery software team. And I didn't know that I was landing in a space that was going to explode oh, yeah. and be a part of this wave of the future. Uh, which is where I'm sitting in now. So 20, 20 plus years later, here I am and, and running a podcast such as, as Data Protection Gumbo. But I, I appreciate you sharing your story and that, and that reminds me as well. Um, so one other question just to kind of... Well, let me interrupt for a second because your question that was really, really apropos was how does an analyst get their job, right? Right. I kind of went off on a tangent. Mm -hmm. Okay. But how does, an, how does an analyst become an analyst? And there are many routes. A lot of, probably most analysts started off in business. Like they started off being a backup or recovery product marketing or product management expert in, worked in a few firms and started to develop an expertise in that discipline. And they were maybe a great researcher, writer, had the qualifications that come with being an analyst. They were good with people, they were good with strategy, they were good um, understanding and keeping up with trends, et cetera. And they found themselves, you know, going to one of these firms and becoming an analyst and kind of, now I have this expertise in this area, I'm going to become an analyst that offers this expertise to the market, to buyers, to investors, to vendors and becomes, you know, works for an analyst firm. So that's usually what happens. Sometimes people start at a college or start as researchers and develop product expertise, but that's really secondary. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as an analyst uh, and, and AR consultant, what, what are some of the topics that like, I, I'm, I'm sure you're seeing a trend, like certain people come to you for certain things. Are you seeing one more than the, than another, and I'm sure it's technology based. But what in specific, like rank the order of you know what are they coming to you for? Different types of technologies, or maybe it's cloud computing, or maybe it's big data, or maybe it's security. That is such a great question because honestly, it's every. If you look at two things, if you look at the technologies, pretty much anything that could have a that has a technology play has an analyst coverage right some areas like cloud computing have hundreds of analysts that cover it but there are companies i worked for a company that was a delivery company they were competing with amazon prime they had a 
technologist solution that would crowdsource uh, deliveries, right? And I had to scrape the bottom of the barrel, but I found analysts that cared and wanted to know and could impact their market for them. That is unusual, right? That's an extreme example. Um, but if you take almost any technology area, I mean, the common ones, like I said, cloud computing or ERP or CRM or um, backup and recovery or things like that, there are quite a lot of analysts that do cover that market. Yeah, and, and I, I thought that there was one specific, but you saying that there there's a, a, a really a multitude of, of different types of things. So it's it's mostly, I guess, what that company is looking for. And plus, they have different, I guess, niches or different people that are categorized into that specific uh, topic. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. The one thing is, you know, what they do and what their space is. But then the second thing that you're alluding to is what kind of help they want. What are they looking for from the analysts? And again, you know, as I mentioned before, it could be... Um, uh, very much about uh, their technology and where they're going, uh, wh where, where they want to go, what their vision is, getting feedback on that. Where do the analysts see the market in five years? Where should they position themselves? You know, what trends do they see? So they're very much focused on getting the technology aspect. But other firms are all about getting their brand out in the market. The technology is pretty clear. The future is pretty clear. They don't or they have a vision. They don't necessarily need that kind of input, but they need help getting their message and their brand out to the market, which is like, you know, partially the example I mentioned about this, the, the startup in the reference program. Right. That was impactful. Right. For the startup. So it again, it's so different from company to company as opposed to what they want to do as a business. Almost anything they want to do as a business, there's a play for how analysts can be a part of making it happen. Gotcha, gotcha. And it it, it makes me uh, recall um, just a like a certain story that, that I had, but I, I can't remember the entire story. But what, what, I, what I want to ask is, so how would you sell this to, let's say, a large enterprise company? And I'm sure that they they would probably already may may have an, an analyst on hand or they have worked with analysts before. Mm -hmm. But what right. if they were on the fence and you had an opportunity to you're sitting at dinner with them and conversation comes up? How would you spin the conversation to walking away from dinner for them to you know reach out and say, hey, yes, we do need this and let's let's move forward with A.R.? Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, so when I'm at a dinner table, what I'm mostly doing with all size companies is reframing analysts for them. Uh, the companies that do know about it and have some experience almost always have the wrong perspective on it. So I see at the dinner table conversation is something like them saying, Oh, all analysts are played uh, pay to play, or analysts don't understand my business, or you know, or they can't help me, or you know, people don't listen to what analysts say, or something. And then I carefully go through and challenge their assumptions and give them some data, 
you know, such as the fact that when they when buyers are interviewed about what sources influence them, peers and, you know, and, and um, things they read in, in trade publications and all different ways you could be influenced, analysts come up as one of the top ways that they make their decisions, right? Um, so I would, I would talk about the fact that it, it is not pay to play, which is probably the number one misperception. You cannot, if, if, a, if a firm is reputable, you cannot buy your way to coverage or to an analyst's positive perception. You cannot, you can't spend enough money. There isn't enough money in the world that's going to impact a reputable firm. And the non-reputable firms, which may be impacted, don't have a reputation, right? They're not, they're not going to help you. They don't, maybe they don't know the market or their name doesn't pull any weight with buyers or something like that. So that's something that I spend a lot of time, you know, re, refocusing. The other thing I spend time enlightening them on is the value of analyst input, again, that feedback, um, that those recommendations, those insights, and the value of that. A lot of people come into it feeling that the analysts can't help them. They know better than the analysts do. Analysts are, you know, they don't even rec. They may not have even thought about that as value, bringing value to them. But I strongly disagree with that because I think not every analyst is going to help you. Some of them are clueless between you and me and the lamppost. They really, they can help you. And then sometimes a very small independent boutique kind of analyst may have a couple of people on staff, may know that space inside and out and, and spending some time consulting with them and your branding and your product on your go-to-market and, and it's gonna give you an amazing amount of value and then the challenge most companies have is leveraging those insights because I would say in just about almost 100% of the companies I have worked with, um, they have a call with an analyst, they have a meeting with an analyst, an analyst tells them to do this, that, and the other thing, or recommends they do this, that, and the other thing. And they shake their head and they say, thank you. And they promptly forget completely about it. And Number one, categorize them because um, an analyst piece, a chunk of insight, like you should go after this market or you should have this capability or something, has like four uh, factors to it or four uh, statuses. Either it's already true, you already are going after that market, you already have that capability, you just need to educate the analyst. It's purely an AR kind of a thing. You just need to manage that communications. Okay, easy. The second category would be validation. We're already planning to do that. We already have it on a roadmap. We're already vision, you know, visioning them, and they are validating that that's the right direction. So they haven't introduced a new idea, but they validated it. The third thing is they truly have a new idea that you haven't seriously considered, and you need to um, take that. You need to do more research. Obviously, you need to check with customers. You need to see possibilities, but you need to go through a process of seriously considering it and taking action if it does turn out to be a positive thing and driving action out of it. The fourth category is ignore. 
It means this is a clueless analyst or that use that um, recommendation does not fit our strategy or we're just not we're going to say thank you, but no thank you. So every piece of input has to do you have to decide what category fits into. And if it is truly actionable, a new idea, it takes discipline to work it thoroughly to get value out of it. And that could be can be the most valuable aspect of analyst relations that is completely underutilized and underfocused on. Wow. Okay. I, I feel educated now. And uh, the, mm-hmm. the confusion has been cleared for me, but uh, you, you also recently wrote a book. So congratulations yes. on that. Analyst, analyst on Analyst Relations, which is on Amazon. Um, I have yet to read it. So once again, I am a bad host. I think I said that to you <laughs> offline. Okay. Once again, I need to do better with that. Uh, can no you problem. tell us about the process of, you know, why did you write the book and how long did it take you? And maybe give us some encouragement of those who would like to write a book like myself to just go ahead and do it. I would love to. So let me tell you the story about this particular book. There are a couple of books out on the market. Now, you know, Analyst Relations is a niche, but there are a few books, like three books that are written from an AR expert's point of view about how to do AR, right? So it's kind of internally focused on how to maximize the value of AR. And they're good. I mean, I don't want to take anything away from it. But my idea was what do analysts think is the way to manage analyst relations, right? What is their perspective? What do they need? What's important to them? So I went and I I found quite a bit of content that existed all over the place, some years old, and um, updated it somewhat and, um, you know, connected with the authors to update those. And then I did a lot of interviews. Um, I thought about, I, I outlined the concept and what would be valuable for people to read, the audience being folks in companies that want to get the most value out of analysts. So it goes through, um, it's not long, it's an easy read, um, and it kind of walks you through the steps from an analyst perspective of how to be well-loved and well, um, well-perceived by them. I mean, there's a whole big chapter on how to brief an analyst, which is a, a core part of your analyst relations strategy and has to do with educating them and bringing your story and, and all kinds of, of uh, perspe- different perspectives on what makes a good briefing. That alone is worth its weight in gold, right? So, um, so the whole book, I have to say, it was not a heavy lift as a writer because at least half of the content was from interviews and writings uh, that the analysts did, right? So my uh, wrap around it, you know, my perspective and organizing content and so forth was not huge for a book, but yet the book is, you know, so many people, so many analyst relations professionals and people of you know other other areas of uh, of running a, a company have found ext- a lot of value by hearing it from the horse's mouth if you will got it okay i, I appreciate that and 
that 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 it's motivation for me. It gave me some some thoughts around you know what what I can do to make you know what I've been working on for a very long time a little different, and that it's it's not bad to be into a specific niche, and that may be um, actually a a better way to get something out is because there's not a lot uh, of information on it, or it's not in one place, as as you mentioned. Um, so I appreciate you sharing that, and um, also. Is there any social media that you would like anyone to follow you on, like Twitter, or you want to promote a LinkedIn? Or yeah, my I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. Um, Robin Schaefer, AR, um, and I do post. I have a website. I mean, I I blog, which is on my website, but I also put it on LinkedIn, and I blog about different um, ideas and concepts about. And what's the website? Uh, AR one word, S-C-H-A-F-F-E-R-A-R.com. So, yeah, so it, it's definitely been a pleasure uh, having this conversation. And uh, I'm sure the Gumbo listeners will walk away with some insights. And and, and hopefully you have debunked um, uh, the analyst relations role. And uh, that we, we may have some college students out there who actually, you know, maybe maybe change and say, hey, you know, I love to write. I love technology. And, you know, maybe I should look into that. So. Oh, yeah. Great. I want to leave everybody sure. with one other clarification and debunking. It does not have to cost you much or anything to do an analyst relations program. People think they've got to spend a lot. The merit of your story. I have a company that is $500,000 a year. They're not even a million. They're half a million dollars a year. Tiny little company that has gotten huge value without spending anything. Because their story is interesting. I've helped them craft their story in a way that analysts are interested. And analysts really want to hear from them. And analysts are impressed with them, want to cover them, want to do, we had one that did a whole podcast with the, an analyst did a podcast with this you know, CEO. You can get very, very far. I'm kind of a guerrilla marketer in the sense that I manage my clients' budgets like I manage my pocketbook. <laughs> okay. Let's get the most possible value without spending a dime and only spend when we got clear ROI, and there are definitely, you will need to do that, but you do not need to start. You can get a ton of value without investing any money. Hmm. Wow. Great advice there. And thanks for sharing that. And uh, once again, I appreciate you uh, taking time out to, to be on Data Protection Gumbo. So thank you so much again, Robin, and uh, you enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much. Pleasure to meet you and pleasure to meet all your listeners. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Data Protection Gumbo. Please follow us on Twitter at DPG Podcast and join our Backup and Recovery Professionals LinkedIn group. Just search Backup and Recovery Professionals on LinkedIn and you will find the group. And until next time, Gumbo listeners, have a fantastic week.